healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the Basement Film Music Lovers. You are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and what an exciting adventure it is. Uh, this is another episode uh, in our Discologist series, and we're talking about an album that is very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, talking like top five all-time albums. Uh, Living Color Stain, you have heard us talk a lot about this monumental band over the years. And uh, I don't think we ever just dove into a full album, but uh, Stain is now uh, 25 years old. I believe that's the age here. And uh, and it, it still remains a remarkably powerful, pertinent, and uh, and potent work of art that uh, that speaks across generations like, like most great art does. So... To get into it, to get into an album that many of you maybe uh, never really heard, because you heard Cult of Personality, but then after that, I don't know where you went. Um, invited our friend uh, Timothy Ann Burnside over from the National Museum of African American History and Culture right here in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, Marcus K. Dallin. And that's what we're doing today. That's the only thing we're doing today. Uh, it's gonna get loud. It's gonna get emotional. It's gonna get, uh, it's gonna get fierce as fuck uh, because that is who Living Color of the band is. So, uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is, it's time to head on down to the basement uh, and, and get ready to get illuminated and have your have your eardrums uh, totally shredded in in the very best way as as we dive into uh, this for what I think is Living Color's stain. Nope. Sure you can. can. You aren't the boss of him. I know. Don't nope. tell none my of us are. None of us are. <laughs> I've told just, you. Just my little buddy. I've told you Sam's going to be the, the leader of the free world. Sam is about to be the leader of the free world. Ah, but no, he recognizes his friend Timothy. And now he's like, ooh, mm-hmm. He's hi. like, oh, hey. What's hey, going friend. on? Hi. Hey, pal. Uh, you, besides... Yeah, you two, besides me, have known him longer than anybody. Yeah. So, you're right, right at the beginning. And he's been here for all this. No, I, I, I asked um, on the last time we did this what this crew was. I don't know if this is just the discologist crew then. I'm thinking. I, I got to rotate some more people in, but but what I'm fine. No, you don't. No, you don't. Ever. Jokes. Have jokes. I'm fine with, with this setup, especially talking about this album. Um, if you listen to our talk about Lenny Kravitz's Are You Gonna Go My Way?, uh, which, if you did not, shame on you. Go back and do that. You would remember that moment where I mentioned this album by Living Color, Stain, that you, Timothy, got, you were like, woo, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, visibly mm-hmm. excited. Um, 
And at that point, I was like, I've been wanting to talk about this album for a long time. <clears throat> I was like, wow, shit. There's people other than me who like feeling depressed, beat up, <laughs> and, and at the same time, rocked. Uh, Living Color, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Uh, we did a whole uh, Black Rock Coalition thing. That was legendary. Yeah, Black Alternative uh, with Casey Ray. Um, but the reason we keep talking about them is because th- as time has borne out, they really are one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, just not just in the music and their output, but in like their message, their their methodology, everything they do. Um, for this particular lineup, Vernon Reed, Corey Glover, Will Calhoun, they've been there since the beginning. Uh, they brought in a guy named Doug Wimbish, who we're going to talk about later on in this. On bass, he had played with people like the Rolling Stones. He was, he was a big guy, uh, but he, he brought this just insane... Um, if you, if you thought people could be more perfect than Vernon Reed in in and technical like you <laughs> he's your guy um after two albums uh vivid and times up vivid i think y- you guys can chime in on this too like i think that broke a lot of people's brains because all of a sudden you look and in this hair metal is not quite gone uh, and it certainly wasn't hair metal, but Corey Glover certainly was playing that when he put his head up in hair up in dreads and like put on a body glove, bright yellow body glove. I mean, this was, uh, but it was an album that that was using those tropes to talk about uh, not just rock and roll shit, but you know the the black condition in America. Following it up with Times Up, I mean, it was it was a hit. That was no, it's, it's cult of personality. You said nothing will ever beat cult of personality. Um, and I think I think that's actually one hundred percent right. The the, the wave per- that that brought with it. It's the perfect blend of pop, rock, and politics mm-hmm. in in my mind. You don't get better no than that. Um, they followed it up in nineteen ninety with an album called Times Up, which at that point um, they were now uh, kind of superstars. You knew more about them. You knew, like, for example, like Vernon Reed is this crazy jazz guitar player. Uh, you knew Corey Glover would sing like everything. He's fuck- and you know this band uh, was killing. It. I mean, they were opening for the Rolling Stones. Consider that mm-hmm. for a second. Mm-hmm. That's. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I think like they were the one band that like MTV really did right by by putting them in the public eye mm-hmm. and then when they got the chance to stand on stage and play their instruments they blew everybody completely out of the water in a way that like i mean there, there's other acts that have benefited from like the advent in the music video i feel but i feel like nobody really like did it and like turned it into like a sustainable thing like living color did yeah yeah, yeah. uh and, and and honestly i think it's kind of broken which, yeah. which we're going to talk about. Uh, so they do a huge tour for that. They they get bigger. Um, one of my favorite tracks of all time is on the album Love Ridge's Ugly Head. It's, it, you, you know. It, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. Um, so the question is always at that point, especially uh, especially like me as a younger person, not a journalist, just a, as a fan, you know, it's always like, what's next? What's what's Living Con going to do next? Um before we start start talking about what they did uh, in 1993, there's a really weird thing going on. Um, like you mentioned, a lot of third albums, but yeah. I, I think it yeah. wasn't just third albums. There was a lot of follow up albums, but it was you were seeing this shift that we've talked about a little before um, towards people experimenting a little more. 
you have, uh, you know, we refer to Kravitz like as the black hippie, where that suddenly became like a really legitimate thing. But think about these particular albums that were, first of all, you have KRS-One coming back, Return of the Boom Back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's 93. Uh, The closest analog to this is Home Invasion Ice-T. Who's done body yeah. count at this point? Yeah, yeah, um, and and was like he he got the okay to do it like in his soul because he heard this band. He was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I of course I listened to all this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know." But uh, Cypress Hill is hitting on mm-hmm. Black Sunday. Yep. Cypress Hill is another band that like infected and the entire white audience was just like, "I like weed too." <laughs> so and then and they hit him with some like honestly revolutionary hip hop stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enter the Wu Tang Clan was later this year, but yeah. that—that's you know. But then you get into stuff like uh, the Diggable Planets album, yeah. Us three, Hand on the Torch, oh, Sampling right. from Blue Note. My favorite, and and we always end up on something we're going to talk about later. Uh, the Bliss album, PM Dawn. We haven't talked yeah. about PM Dawn, and, and I think it's essential that we do t- at some point to yeah. understand this time period. But that's for another podcast. Mm-hmm. But really, the big one. Or big two in my mind that have shifted is like Nirvana has hit, right? And so you have in utero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of a sudden, all the loud guitars are are big. Frank Black put out an album around this time, but it didn't really do much. Uh, Tools Undertow. Mm-hmm. I think that that opened the door for a lot of people into you know Bad Religion was kicking around then, but uh, it the hardcore is hard to get into. Thrash is hard to get into. You if you you didn't listen to thrash unless you were a skate punk, and you certainly didn't necessarily listen to it, or you wouldn't plan on listening to it if it was a bunch of black dudes mm-hmm. doing it. No, I mean there's no other way to put no, it. No, no, and, and you knew, no, and, just, and, and and you know, bad brains that were kicking around then. Uh, the producer of that album is was the actually one that, is the one that produced this. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very very intentional. Mm-hmm. But uh, these were all small niche things, and you have now one of the biggest bands like around is like this is what we want to do. So I want to start off with their sort of first real foray into this. And this song scared the fuck out of me in 1993. (laughs) It scares the fuck out of me now. It is, keep in mind, Corey Glover is an actor. And keep in mind, singing is a type of acting. He should win every fucking award ever because this rage, this ignorance in this song... Is it's all palpable and it's here and, and you want to run for cover so then start things off here with Gilmore. That gave me chills right now. That is like you, if you understand who the who the uh, 
protagonist of this song is though. It is a deeply ignorant person. It's not clear whether they're black or white, which is part of the genius of this album. The album as a whole, I think, addresses uh concerns of the black community, but also but doing it from as an exterior view and within it. And sometimes those crossover, right? And so this starts off with, you know, I see the starving Africans on TV. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I I paid for live aid. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. a strictly white belief. That's just a shitty human being. <laughs> um, yeah. But but the uh, the next line, like I don't want any. It's after that. Next, I don't want anybody to touch me. I think everybody has AIDS. What's the point in caring for you? You're gonna die anyway. Like the nihilism. The it, it's something that was never in their music. And if you look though at the cover of the album here, mm-hmm. you know the the album cover. Has somebody um, in a brink? Yeah. Yep. Which originally was used for like witches or heretics, but we know <laughs> what Americans did. Right. That. Of course. Uh, it was it was used for slave torture, and the look in this woman's eye, and you pair it with that song, and it's like it it is. It sometimes when you think about it, for me at least, it's almost like too much to bear. It's like, good lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes it genius. So, but. well, they also uh, very, I think, intentionally did not use their usual logo, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which you know is not cartoonish necessarily, but it definitely has like a lighter vibe to it, yeah. um, which would have been incredibly out of place with this the yeah. visuals of this record of this of this album. Um, so there's a lot of thoughtfulness going into the overall packaging. And presentation, you know, to, to line up with the content. Yeah. And, you know, their logo, I hadn't thought about that, actually, is, you know, it's flowery, right? It's The, the mission statement to living, of Living Color to this mm-hmm. point was we're going to talk about stuff, but really we're here just to bring people together. Right. And I don't know, even after listening to this now for over 20 years, if that was the mission statement on this. No, I mean... To me, like one of the things I think that makes this record stand out is that there's a real conversation about capitalism and commercialism. And this is a band, of course, that at this point is like gone from like kind of being in like the Lower East Side of New York City to being like global touring, mega massive pieces of like the rock establishment. Mm-hmm. And you meet people who like the, the protagonist of Go Away. Mm-hmm. when you get that kind of like access and i'm sure that like the first time you meet a person like this you're ready to kick their ass mm-hmm. by the 74th time you meet a person like this you start to put together the lyrics to a song mm-hmm. just based off of things that people are, are just generally saying like you're backstage at say you know the rothskild music festival in mm-hmm. you know ghent yeah. belgium or wherever you are and you hear this person and you're like okay i'm gonna file this away because this guy's an asshole and this is starting to get really uncomfortable. And there's a lot of discomfort on this album as well that I think comes with like the trappings of having that kind of access. It's not necessarily having the money, but having the access to people who have this money, like the established people who have this money. Mm-hmm. And the, the, we're still at a point in music where that hasn't completely switched over yet. Like you get to this point where hip hop really crosses over and like maybe late 99 early 2000 when you start to see like okay now we're going to start changing the conversation because Wasn't like that late yeah Damn. yeah like it's it's huh. still emergent okay and then by like oh three you get like 50 and stuff like that but sure, sure the sure. real money that diddy makes is like 
at the, after he's put out right. like you know the, right. the no way out record and all that so it's like there's a thing where though like you know people who are from like fewer means are into that conversation but largely before that it's still like you know kind of like the same establishment of just general kind of like rich jerky people who say things like this and act this way and are pretty much anti to all things that are you know progressive thinking and liberal leaning in concept and so being very angsty about that makes all the sense in the world mm-hmm. especially in 1993 because i mean we're one year into uh we one year into uh the clinton administration and people are still kind of like oh my god we have a democratic president but the country is you know like having issues with that yeah yeah i mean they played live aid correct or did they not We'll come back to that. We'll, we'll we'll figure that out later. Everybody here is looking stunned. No, Live Aid? No, I don't think... I don't, I don't think they did. No, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. For some reason, I thought they did. I mean, it's, they did Lollapalooza for a long right, time. So there's right. a lot of live footage of them that looks like a... Right. A Live Aid kind live of Aid setup kind of right setting, now, but, but yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think they did Live Aid. We're going to stay a little angry here as we as we get into this. It's like the whole record, man. Well... <laughs> It it is, but there is there are also moments of beauty, and it ends on like one of their most beautiful tracks and sentiments. I mean, Wall, which we will play, but is their mission statement, mm-hmm. and where it sits in this uh, is we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, back in '93, uh, we didn't have things in the spotlight. They existed. They didn't have things in the spotlight like. We have now. So there is no like Black Lives Matter. Um, we know about police brutality, but it's not, it's just not reported on it like the same the way it is now. And certainly uh, you're not seeing bands do anything about it. You know, they might have a, uh, say something at a press conference or something, but it doesn't, it doesn't end up in the art ever. Um, uh, except for Living Color <laughs> um, for The Rock. And, and, all this anger is just, it's so justified. Right? Rodney King. That's, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, that's, that's 91. Yeah. And then this well, is... Well, and, they, and they, is, quote, they quote yeah. this, yeah. But it's so, like, absolutely justified. It's raw. It's it's what makes this kind of... To, to my mind, this is this is one of the important records and i don't know if i put it in like civil rights i don't know if i i don't know where i put it like or just like humanity like you you have because we all feel this rage right hmm? now we do different things about it but they just fucking dove head on to it and made us only like this little pig 81 seconds something like this <laughs>
So there's, you know, a lot of people make assumptions about music based on what they want it to be about. But Corey's actually gone on record to say that this little pig, the song we just heard, is not, he said it's not about the police at all. There's a whole variety of characters being described, one of whom may be a cop. It's like looking out the window and describing a whole life to a person from seeing him or her walking down the street. Um, and Doug also said that this was actually just an on-the-spot creation during a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that, of course, you know, this this narrative of police brutality and resistance is absolutely included, but that's not the singular right. meaning. It- and And that's what I love about what they do. Yeah. Because so many of, um, well, all of their songs have these multiple layers to them from both the the content and the messaging and the sonic composition. Like, there's a lot happening. We were just talking about, like, how they make it sound so easy and they make it look so easy. And it's not. <laughs> no. no. Uh, it's from not. either side, it, it's, it's not. not. It's not. And, uh, and that, that is the genius here at work because... Certainly when I first heard the song, it was police brutality, it, Rodney King. Like, you can't, you know, but then when you dig into the lyrics, it instead of making this inaccessible, we, we talk about accessibility in pop, right? Right. <laughs> we don't often talk about it in this. So instead of making it inaccessible, they, they just make it so that everybody can understand brutality is brutality, regardless of if cops do it, regardless of if... Uh, it's domestic abuse, you know, whatever. But like this little pig thinks he's running the show. So little pig thinks he's the king of the hill. This little pig, well, he doesn't know. He's the next pig to get killed. That little poison pill that he drops in the end yeah. is like, you know, this cycle of violence that we are so stuck in. And like, that's all it is. Like, y- y- you might get to the top one day, but then somebody's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately pointless. And. Like that's fucking deep, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, and that's not something a kid like will necessarily think about, right? It's, but people can still get out of it. They like, even if you can't get into the to that, you know, level, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you aren't processing it that deep, right? right. You can still you're still getting something, and you're still getting something that's that's going to move you and yeah, and like shatter your world potentially. And even if you aren't listening to the words, you. Get the messaging from the music. So I have a belief about third albums that I think is important Mm. in relation to this. Um, The third record, if you're a successful band um, in this era, by the third record, you've gotten a couple of your songs placed in movies, had a couple of your songs placed in commercials. Yeah, a video game. Yeah, a video game or something. So the checks are good. Yeah. And um, and so you really you're 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 give a, like for lack of a better term your give a fuck is broken, so you're like okay I'm gonna we're gonna write some songs, and we need a pop hit maybe, we need a a song that does a cool thing that we we know like the kids like maybe, mm-hmm. then we're just gonna make some other music, <laughs> so because you understand like the way the game is played especially in 1993 when like so much of this industry is like big industry music. Yeah. So when you create a song like This Little Pig, I just imagine that's like thinking about, okay, so we can make this song and we can like crystallize all of the like, again, shit people that we know that we've had to deal with. Like they've had to deal with really terrible people, like people in the Black Rock Coalition, if you think about it, like all of these acts 
have had to deal with like the worst of people. Like mm-hmm. every time that there's like a mainstream label that's like trying to do something, they come in and they like, oh, well, we want to change this or we want to change that. We right. want you to cut your hair. We don't want you to write about this. We don't want you to sing that. Can you sound more like Metallica? Can you sound more like this? Right, Can you right. do that? And it's like, okay, well, 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 screw you. And then there's like, okay, well, now you're making money. So like, can you make more songs like that one MTV hit song that you had? Right. Can you make another ballad? Because ballads are big right now, mm-hmm. especially in the rock, especially in that rock community because grunge is so prevalent. In that rock community, the only thing they're selling are like the big power ballads still, and that's even a dying art. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, so can you do that? And then it's like, well... At this point, they're also virtuoso level musicians. So it's like, okay, well, like, we're going to do neither of those things you want us to do. We're just going to make music. And you're going to put out a record because, well, our last record went gold. And we're making money for you guys at the label. So whatever. Well, and, and, just to, and just to be able to hear something like that come out of that, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, that's just, that's the point where you're like, okay, this is where like the the rubber hits the road as far as being like a creative artist as opposed to being like a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think they ever certainly not in vivid were necessarily a cog in, in a machine, but this no, they is, they just established and created uh a I mean, their own sing- like their, their own, own machine. machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. They weren't they weren't yeah. getting caught up in the the spokes of any other wheel. Right. Uh, they were just like on having pressure to create. Yeah. This, you know, just to recreate that magic, if which, you will. Yeah. Which is what is the and, and this is the overarching is band's big story. question for this album for me because I think uh, that what you're talking about probably just came internally. Right. Like we want to keep doing this, and yeah. stuff, but we also want to we have things we want to say. The songs on this didn't. It was like a slap to the face. Yeah. It was if you did not know the culture, and I, I mean that in a good way. It was like it was like getting woken up. Uh, if you didn't know black culture, except for you know some hip hop videos or, or them, if you didn't know, if you just didn't pay attention, like, and you hear this, you, it's like what. What is going on with you guys? Like, I liked when you were commercial. I liked when you, and, and, I, and I think this is in general, like how a lot of people responded to it. Because, like we said, they did for a little minute, like break up because right. of that album. I, I don't know why, and I, and I would never ask them why. Like, why don't you guys break up? But I, I would speculate that it was what they landed on is they, the, the rawness of almost every song on this album is not something that is meant for commercial means. But you made the album, right? Right. And you have to put out the album, and it fits who you are as human beings. But you start playing it for people, and people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Run for fucking cover. You, I just wanted to think about one bad thing. I don't want ten bad things. Like, I don't want to be thinking so much. The reverse of that, much. too, is that people who maybe weren't the biggest Living Color fans in the beginning, I think... Um, the production of this album uh-huh. gave them a new audience with mm-hmm. Ron St. Germain, who had just come off of two Bad Brains records. Yeah. And, um, he also, and, uh, he also did Goo? Goo, right. So, you know, people who weren't really here for Cult of Personality were here for this shit. Because Goo was huge. So was Bad Brains. But, right. Goo, but Sonic Youth Goo, that changed rock and roll. Right. Yeah. Right. But, and so that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the, the, the people who were like, 
oh, I'm discovering this black rock band from this song called yeah. Cult of Personality, <laughs> and I see this video, and isn't this great? <laughs> you know, that's awesome, you know, getting into, into that fan base. But then people who are like, eh, eh, not really for me, right. but they already loved the Bad Brains or whatever else. Right. This shit was their jam. And pulled them so, but they aren't the ones pushing the major venue ticket sales, and they, you know, it's a different kind of underground scene that was potentially paying a little closer attention to Living Color right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and they, they did satisfy. I think like the singles are always going to be the singles. Uh, it was. Uh, Ignorance is bliss. I think was that was the single. Yeah, was was that single, no, yeah. leave it yeah. alone was. I think, and leave it alone is, is is as straightforward as you get for Living Color on this album. It it reminds you of the other stuff, and uh, yeah, it's like okay, great. Um, there's two things on here that were um, one's about and one's not. And I want to talk a little about and get a little bit out of the anger, but it doesn't get out of the, the despair. No, uh, at all, because the first line of this song that we're going to play. Nothingness is like a descendant. I drifted far, far and wide. Like just sit with that mm-hmm. line and understand the how unmoored. Not as you grow older, your your job is to figure out where you fit. Right, that's what we all do. If you're an African American in 1993, there's just so many layers to get through to figure out where you fit. And and again, this could be about anything. Uh, but it's gorgeous. And then uh, I know you've got some behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. uh, that we'll talk about when we get back. Yes, but just a little bit of nothingness. I love that song for so many reasons, but um, I love it even more knowing. So I was I was texting with Will earlier today in preparation for this. Will Calhoun. Will Calhoun. What's the view like from up there, Timothy? <laughs> okay. <Sorry. laughs> Boom. Um, in, you know, in kind of preparation for getting my mind around this album, and just kind of reached out with general questions about the 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 album and kind of um what stuck with him in creating it or how he thinks it fits into the current kind of climate mm-hmm. um and he said that that nothingness what we just listened to is his favorite song um on the album and um that he was going through a a challenging time when he wrote it um but he said you know Corey totally captured the vibe and 
what I didn't know about the recording of that song was that um, so they were they were in the studio, but they were out at Longview Farm, and uh, he actually recorded this outside um, of the studio um, around four o'clock in the morning. There was this um, from Will a satellite dish outside of the studio that was bent over down instead of facing up, and Corey's like, I want to sing this outside, so. Um, he he and Ron St. Germain mm-hmm. were walking by and heard the echo that was that was produced yeah. out of that. So there's no you you hear the thinness as you said earlier, but there's no it vocal live. Yeah, there's no vocal overdub there. It's right. a it's it's um one song he says with different microphones on a continuous vocal performance. Yeah. Right? So it's just basically a one take job <laughs> by Corey um that guy. So what what I but what so again, it goes back to the layers and the levels of mm. of music. And um, I was all up in my feelings the other night about a Bjork concert, but that's another podcast. But this yeah. song captures that kind of, again, now knowing that it came from a very personal place for Will um, and that it was a very thoughtful moment of recording for Corey and that you had a producer who was willing to take a risk and give um you know an already incredible vocalist a chance to do something that for a lot of other singers wouldn't really work very well maybe no no um but the way that the way that um like will says he 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 captures the essence of of this song because Corey sounds and and y'all already know this and Corey mm. if you're listening you know this too I will fight for you every day um in terms of one of the being in terms of being like one of the best vocalists period you know period um let alone like in rock and roll you know no, period full stop but just, like yeah just in, incredible and and you know to sidebar to have this band you know Will is a Berkeley grad with honors you mm. know he studies percussion from all over the world and you know he can he can do things that not a lot of other not just drummers but percussionists right. can do and so to apply all of that knowledge into his songwriting and into his playing again makes it sound so easy but if you ever have the chance to stand behind Will Calhoun on the drums during a living color show you will be exhausted just from watching him do what he does yeah it's it's incredible but but so the the again the kind of personal elements um, from the songwriting, but the way that Corey can sound like a like he sounds like a different person on this song versus this little pig, you know, and the way that he mm-hmm. he has this it's not airiness, it's not lightness, it's just this this presence with his voice, and he lingers on certain you know vowels or consonants, or he yeah. he has this way of just it, his voice just resonates. Um, that's just really powerful. And we've touched on it a little bit, but, but I think, yeah, it is because he is at the end of the day, like he's an actor that I think that's where his like genius lies. So he's an actor who like gets the job done. Actors learn like dance movement song. You learn all this stuff. And so at some point when he was like, I, I, I gotta sing and also I was like, what is this? What is this coming out of my mm. face? And and has he continued to like use it and um like I when I hear that I hear um 
unlike a lot of other songs on the other albums, they, I was just like, this is Corey Glover talking. On all these songs, mm -hmm. I feel like these are characters that he's inhabiting. We've heard, uh, you know, this little pig. I don't know if we're going to go to Postman. Uh, but, you know, on that one, certainly, like I said, despair of that wondering. That it's, he's playing like a broken man. Yeah. And that's what, you know, it's like you said, it sounds a little thin. Those, those reverbs, those echoes, just he's not he, – he could have gone out there and the performance could have been he's shouting that to the heavens and right. getting these massive reverbs. Right. Instead, it's it's very low-key and it's right. – and it just fits into this – in this like perfect shot of humanity. He does uh, this on another song I want to touch on because this is another thing that they often took – they tackled uh, issues of sexuality. Uh, gay, straight, I, and I think it's it's cute that like this was our big problem in '93. Right. Like it, it's adorable, but uh, again, they weren't they they were like one of the few people talking about this, certainly at this level, where ev everybody knew this album was out, and this was actually a single. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, this is a whole different character for Corey Glover, and it's it's a fantastic one. And it's a little vibe. Glover playing another character that, quite frankly, is hilarious. Like, the only way to... Because uh, people in 93, people still don't want to talk about any of this stuff, even though it's just basic humanity. Uh, why they don't want to talk about it, that's... Who knows? It's it, it, it's a, uh, a virus on our society, if you will. But uh, you present it as humorous. You know, he's shocked that his you know, lady... <laughs> Is by and she's like that's okay because I know you're like hitting my, mm -hmm. my girlfriend <laughs> like mm -hmm. that and all of a sudden people start you know hearing that and thinking like wait a minute right is is this real life for is, the for the person is in the band or singing it and and or is this just a a story yeah you know and the. You know, very, or how do I relate to it? That, right? How that do I, I relate to it, and and do I dare discuss this with my friends or yourself? If I have questions, like, like, yeah, like, yeah, right. Uh, a dude bro isn't going to be like, whoa, yeah. Maybe I do like girls and dudes. Like, it's mm -hmm. just, it's, you know, out in the open, that didn't happen. 
Still doesn't. But so it's if anything, yeah, and if anything, I think the the idea that this song could spark that internal conversation, mm-hmm. as you said, was really, you know, because Vernon wrote the words for this song and Will did the music. They didn't do it together. Mm-hmm. Will had this kind of song already. Vernon was writing um writing the lyric based off a real life experience of of dating someone who was bisexual. And he was like, basically it's complicated. You know, you got a lot of shit to talk about at some point. And, you know, a lot of questions come up and a lot of, um, you know, you're in, you're in some unfamiliar situations just because, but you know, again, I think what's, what's interesting is that this album in general, you had so much of it um, presented as now, you know, collaboration, like writing songs together, um, piecing together things based on what everybody else is doing. And so, you know, I've, I've also read things where they're, they're all kind of like, this was the moment where we became the band that we wanted to be. Oh, interesting. You know, and then like, but then gotta break yet, up. <laughs> what, you know, what happened next? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But then, then the, the throw in with the, um, as we'll put it, the old school B-boy beat that he'd been hearing since like 78 in the Bronx, you know, is a nice little touch right. to the, to the song and kind of, you know they're adding their own um, little little moments, you know, here and there well, throughout. It, it, it plays to their sense of of history. Yeah, like they're hit, well, they're, and they're keep history. in mind too that that Doug came up playing um, for but all sugar, those hip hop records. Gang, like yeah, he was the he was right. the mm-hmm. yeah. So like, there's there are layers again. There are layers to this. Yeah, but like you know, they're they're all four or five different musicians wrapped into one mm-hmm. um so every once in a while a different side comes out that i think the audience and the listeners might not necessarily even knew existed right yeah so um two things first um by 1994 you get like pedro zamora dying on the real world mm-hmm. oh right which is a huge thing and madonna puts out human nature and gets deeper and deeper and deeper into like you know discussing issues of like did you do that intentionally what's up you said deeper and deeper. Uh, well, oh gosh, I, I'm I'm I'm, I'm even outclassing yeah. myself at this point. This is good. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I love couldn't it. tell if you meant to do that or if I that did really it. Was I did it. It just it just came out. Sorry, it didn't mean to the sidebar. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but uh, but no. So um, there's the thing that I feel like that's a it's a topic at this point because at this point like the whole thing is like of like you know LGBTQ AIDS is all kind of like tied in the same bundle. Mm-hmm. So like you have like, you know, people still believe that AIDS was gay cancer. Like we talked about my mom who believed that AIDS yeah. was gay cancer at this point. And this is a point where that's starting to like dissipate from the conversation right. so much. And it's like, okay, this is just like, you know, a thing like acquired immunohuman deficiency syndrome is a real actual thing that yeah, yeah. exists in the world and people can do whatever they want sexually and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are conversational points. And to be a black rock act, and to say that, like, takes you out of, like, the larger, like, you know, kind of, like, urban conversation and explodes you into, like, a worldwide conversation. Yeah. That's huge. Um, also, I wanted to bring up the fact that, like, by, like, 1993, black people are doing incredible things just in music. Like, and it showcases the fact that, like, all of these black artists are, like, virtuosos who are getting opportunities to do this now. So, like, you have, like, you know, like, we talk about um, Doug Wimbish, who is, you yeah. know, just 
he's a he's a session musician extraordinaire who's played every kind of music you Everything. could think of. You Everything. know, right? Will Calhoun is a you know Berkeley like graduate with honors. Like you have people like Sister Soldier who's around, who's just a yeah. brilliant political thinker who happens to rap. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. when are you gonna have this happen like i mean krs1 is just like running roughshod over pop music with black liberation like theology like it's like okay this is an insane time so i bring this up because the thing about this record and i remember this when it came out because it's the first like living color album i bought I was thinking I'm buying like the first two records. Mm-hmm. And this is distinctly not the first two records. It's just, no. So I'm like, because not. I'm like, I have like enough allowance at this point to be able to like blow my entire allowance for a week on right. a record. And it's like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I remember that there was a, a certain thing with like black intellectualism mm-hmm. at the in this era where being political and being angry but being angry in a way that was like violent was acceptable. Right. Like in the pop mm. atmosphere, like, you know, like you still, like, well, you're at the tail end of like, like, uh, the. You saw this in film. Yeah. Too. You saw this like, so I did the right thing was what, 80, 89. 89. 89. When was Malcolm X though? 92. 92. 92. Boys in the Hood. 91. 91. Uh, and then the one that really the uh, Hughes brothers, the first Hughes brothers, what was it? Um, talking about poetic justice, or no? There was, there's but, uh, one before that. I'll have to look it up. But it menace, menace society. Menace society yes. is ninety three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's this yeah. year. Yeah. So, so yeah, what you're talking about, like you said, it's like people are actively saying, "Hey, look, right. violence." But but being so so having conversations about mm-hmm. these issues, like living color does on this record, is not necessarily a pop leaning thing. The mm. conversational point is not a thing that really people want to hear. People like for me, particularly, I was like, all I was really, I was really like on the fence at this point with like rap music. Rap music had come into my life at that point. I told you, like, right. rap was a thing that I came to super late. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, Timothy. I came to rap like mm-hmm. super late. So I'm like into rap, and I'm like, okay, rap is awesome because everybody's like violent and mad, and I'm like, I get it, and I like it. And then it's like, okay. And then, like, on top of that, you also, like, you know, you have, like, PM Dawn, which I love, yep. which are, like, these beautiful pop songs. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But the thing with Living Color is that Living Color was, like, neither of those. Because, like, Cult of Personality was mad in a way that, like, could propel you to violence, which made it work. Like, you know, like, and then it's, like, Love Rears' Ugly Head is, like, this beautiful love song. Right. And this album for me sat right in between those two things hmm. in a way that's like there wasn't a space to do the in between, but still like, you know, it's still brilliant and it's still incredible. And I think that one of the things that time does, especially when we talk about these, these colleges, that one of the things that time does is that in the time since this record has come out, we have now created spaces for yeah. alternative black pop music. Like, well, you know, like, like Janelle Monet, for instance. Yeah. Like Janelle Monet just put out a new single and it fits in the same lane as by, and it's got its own lane by itself. And, and that's kind of crazy. And not only that, there's, we've created spaces for that, but we've also created spaces for the discussions they have on this album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, you could talk. We now. mentioned Black Lives Matter and stuff, but like none of this stuff, whether it's Black Lives Matter, where it's whether it's Me Too, time, whatever it is, these aren't new original thoughts that just exploded into the universe. 
we finally got our shit together to be able to like talk about it to make sense and and get people over to our side, right? Yeah. Um. That this was ninety three when that doesn't happen, and that you can go through and literally apply any of any song on this album to an issue today is astounding to me. And and it it's interesting that you said this was this you felt this sat in the middle. I felt in ninety three certainly, and now I felt it sat, sat outside. I I felt that it it jumped over the lane or the line of good taste into like holy fuck this is absolutely unhinged this is like nothing and and um and i and i still kind of believe that there are albums um how can i describe experiencing metal as a young white dude uh and even hair metal the first time you see it you think it's kind of scary you don't know why you don't know I mean, spandex is scary regardless of whatever age you're in. But, you know, but the, and then you hear it, and it's not what you're, like, used to, like, I grew up in the 80s, so pop music is in my veins. And and when you hear this, the first time you hear it, you're just like, fuck, this is scary as hell. But then you get acclimated to it. Mm-hmm. And I think by this point, like, I was certainly acclimated to it, but it's that other step beyond. Now I'm like, this is, like, this is what everything should sound like. Yeah. If you're going to do this, this is what it should sound like. In nothingness, there's, like, a whole, like... Otis Redding thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that happens with the voice, and you're just like, okay, yeah. this shouldn't exist in the metal that I know, but it's here. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, <laughs> that's you know the 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 um the history of having the 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 lane to actually have a vocal range and a melodic vocal period right. over this kind of music mm-hmm. is because of HR. Right. And it's because of bad brains right. and because of these traditions that these guys are super aware of. Right. That their producer on this record clearly, clearly. is very yeah, familiar he knows the with. Deal. Yeah. But I mean that but the idea that 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 they're taking a lane that bad brains created mm-hmm. and just taking parts of it and making a brand new lane. Right. Because they're 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 expanding it and pushing it forward in a mm-hmm. way. Um which is which is exactly what, you know, we talk about it all the time, right? This trajectory of who who else I know we listed the albums that were popular around then, but who else and this can either be in the black community, white community, whatever community you want to be in, um was doing stuff like this in ninety three. That's not in hip hop. Right. So we you were... made you made a very good point earlier off mic that a lot of this exists basically because it's just what hip hop was doing. And they stepped in. They're like, "Oh, we can we can do that now." So yeah, they're, yeah, they're they're hip hop is providing a space as as we were talking about earlier for for people to to be more than one thing at a time. Yeah, you can be identifying with um, your blackness. You can be identifying with a movement. You can be identifying with whatever it is simultaneously. And hip hop is the perfect space for that to take place. And Living Color is doing that in rock and roll. Yeah. And that's still kind of... A, not that they're... Now, don't get mad at me, everybody. <laughs> I, I'm very aware that there has always been activism. There's always been messaging. There's always been all these things. But again, like, we're, th- we're, we're at a moment in music where th- there's groundbreaking shit happening. We just yeah. didn't realize it at the time. Mm. Yeah. 
So randomly, I was doing my research real, real fast. Um, he was Googling on his phone. Yeah. Yes, he was. Michelle and Deggio Cello's debut okay. album is in 1993. Okay. Yes, it is. So, it absolutely is. So, so maybe not in the main, mainstream, but certainly not hip-hop. a thing that's like, I mean, like, I like this was the era where, like, mainstream music began to understand that urb, urban, meaning mm-hmm. black, music had a marketplace unto itself. And that it needed to be a fully fleshed out and fully formed, right. diverse marketplace. So you get like, there's a, a album like this in every genre in 93. That's why I went back and I looked at the Michelle D'Angelo mm-hmm. cello because I was like, wait, I'm like, I know there's, a, I'm like, I want to make, I, I think it was then because I remember. Yeah. She was from DC and I'm like, I, I remember that was a thing. I was in high school and it was. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It's like you, you get this sense of like, okay, so like. People know that like divergent, unique black expression exists, yeah, yep. and it's being given the opportunity in the mainstream to like grow, shine, and flourish, right? Which is cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. If you're listening, and you know, uh, email us, like, and other acts going because I, I like to contextualize this stuff, and uh, it's a failure of research on my part, but. But at the same time, like I should be able to think of this off the top of my head, and I, I, I'm struggling. I mean, I'll put it like this: by '94, Outkast and Nas come out with albums, yep. right? So just to give you, like, just give you a sense of like where yeah, yeah. things are are at. But Outkast is still. I mean, you. When, we'll talk about it when we eventually talk about Outkast. Like, I think that it is up in the air if you can say Outkast, like isn't hip hop or what right. it's something more. I mean the first the first album the first album is definitely a hip hop record. Yeah. But so. I think that the thing is is that okay, so hip hop opens up the conversation. Yeah. By ninety four, because eighty eight's the big year. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, oh well these rap records are great. But then by ninety four it's like, you know, these these rap records. They're, God they're they're amazing. I'm gonna start calling you <laughs> Marcus, do you have a rap rap record? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then by ninety four raps the raps, the hip hops, and the rapity raps, but um, but no, so hey, rapity like, raps is mine. Okay, all right. So the rap, <laughs> so the hip hip hop opened up the door. I don't think people really like. In retrospect, people don't understand how revolutionary it was that like hip hop is the thing that like opens up the door for like the mainstream to go. What else are black people talking about these days? And then you get all of these records. Mm-hmm. So like that, just like come out of just like nowhere that are just doing like insane things like this album where it's like you know like veteran black musicians veteran black rock musicians who knew that uh, who knew that, in, that, that a veteran black rock musician existed but on this record they're veteran black rock musicians just making like the best music yeah. and it's 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 astounding to consider yeah. but i think that's one of the great things about hip-hop that people don't talk about enough is that hip-hop opened the door and allowed for that to happen mm-hmm. And they talk about well, it a lot. <laughs> well, what's interesting too about this band is that they have a very strong relationship to hip hop, and they mm. are very connected to it. You know, their second to most recent project is a cover of a Biggie song. Yeah, oh, and it's shot fucking you. dope. Like, it's and that great. album is incredible. <laughs> that, that little EP, right? Yeah. No, it's a whole album. Oh, it's a whole album. Now? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, clearly. Um, but like there's they're influenced by what's going on around them yeah. and they are they are aware of it and they also know that they know better than to try to be in that lane. Right. Mm-hmm. Not all of the um I'm gonna be very polite, not all of the rock and roll musicians 
always realize that maybe it wasn't a good idea to try to be hip hop. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I, have a, I have a long list. But I will, That's all I'm going to say. Go into that. But but they do a great. They do such a beautiful job. Can we of... apply it to country too? <laughs> <laughs> they do. Who was the guy? Uh, is accidentally racist. Oh God. Oh, Burt Paisley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, that guy. That, no, that's actually. that's a solid. No, yeah, that's and, actually racist. Actually. Um. Yeah. So the 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 way that that this I think album kind of fits in to all of that. And again, it's not to say that this stuff wasn't happening and there weren't spaces already mm. existing. It's just they're they're carving a new space. They're carving mm. a new place and opening up new conversations. And again, continuing in. Um, but still furthering all, everything. You know, they're not just they're yeah. not just they're not just replicating well, to replicate. They're, their... they're taking it to a new audience, yeah. and, I, and I think that's sort of the point I've been trying to get at is that it's important to, and that's why I was excluding hip hop. It is important that these things take place not just in one genre. They clear they're going to start organically in one place, but then once that happens, it's important that other genres embrace it because at the end of the day it's all just music yeah mm-hmm. right and and nobody there there's nobody who's playing like there's nobody period who's just like i just reject hip-hop or i just reject rock and roll that that doesn't happen my college roommate greg massey shout out to him for saying that you can't spill crap without rap <laughs> yeah good one okay i hope he has a saying about future <laughs> um but um they end this album you know, so we've talked about like rage. We've talked about uh, beauty, uh, humor, uh, social awareness. Uh, we didn't play Postman, but uh, look, that song anticipates school shootings. I don't know if you guys remember, but like back in the eighties, yeah. going postal is because Postman some, or- somebody just walked in and like mass murdered people with guns. Yeah, it's not. I mean, that shit should have stopped then. Now we're just killing kids, but that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother like series. So, Trump's gonna, uh, Trump's just, gonna and, run with the gun, though. But yeah. speaking of postman, post, postman. So, mm-hmm. um, just I, and we don't have to listen to it now. Yeah. But I think um, the way that Corey describes it, um, my voice is like the man responding to himself. Yes, the ego and the super ego speaking to one another. It's his own private cheering section cheering him on to some terrible act of violence. Yes. And he said, for my second vocal, I sat in the studio with the lights out. Yep. Just basically tripping on myself, like and just being in this moment. You know you know what? I, I will play a little bit of that and then, because we'll get to Wall to finish it out. And this Wall is gorgeous, so it, it can it can be a nice uh, palate cleanser. But this isn't just that interior dialogue. I think this is a warning. And this is what we were talking about, mm-hmm. uh, about violence is okay. This is either Corey Glover, the man, Living Color, the band, or whatever character he's playing, saying, yeah, y'all motherfuckers keep fucking with us black people. Like, that's that's the subtext. Yeah, it's going down. Yeah. Um,
Okay, so Postman, like I said, that is a, a warning. It it certainly dives deep into this, this mental illness side or, or uh, anguish side of, of people who commit crimes like this. But really, it is it, it pairs like that and gives you a glimpse of like if you have somebody like that and then you give them a reason. And this whole album is like in their whole career, their whole activism life is full of reasons. They're like, look, not us, but this could be coming for you. Uh, and that was in 1993, mind you. It hasn't happened, but it doesn't mean it won't. Right. Um, so how that for a cheery thought? Right. <laughs> um, no, uh, and that that is really just the power of this album, and and it ends on on a on a one two punch. There's a poem called Hemp, uh, talking uh, has a lot to do with being bound, uh, in touch with slavery. It's a poem read, uh, really distorted. Um, just Vernon Reed and um, I think his name's Alexander Fairley, uh, doing the whole thing, and it was just a studio experiment, which again mm-hmm. is something you didn't hear from this band, really. You have stuff in the background, but like Wimbish is credited on this as being like a, a programmer, a sequencer. Yeah. Like they, they just embraced all this different new technology mm-hmm. to to make this this like wild statement. Um, and at the end of the day, they land on the song "Wall" that we're going to play a little bit of, which sums up their whole point for existing. They're, because at the end of the day, they're like, we can talk about all this, but really we need to get along because if we don't, we're not going to be able to. We're not going to have the option. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that that is the, the great horror of, of any of this and where we are, where we were then, where we are now. Play a little bit of that.
we hate each other because of the music we listen to. We hate each other because we think we know it all. Which I think that is not an original thought, not an original line, but it is prescient as fuck. And and that I think is what Living Color. There's always a song like this on their albums. Uh, you could say it's the weird. It's not a ballad, but it is structurally kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bigger sound. It's not raw. It's not aggressive. It's just like giving you a space that you can experience this in. Uh, but uh, it is something that they they have preached from the beginning, and it, um, yeah, it it just it for me turns the whole album into this sermon. And here's the evils of the world as we see it. Here's how we experience it. And then you, the message is, if you don't get together, you get all this. You don't want all this, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's embarrassing, I think, as human beings that we have to listen that we can listen to this and be like, Damn, we yeah. still have all these fucking problems. Well, it's like so many of these other ra- albums that we talk about where it's like yeah. this is this is just as much for today as it was for then. You yeah. know, the these songs resonate and you know uh, we can apply them to our daily lives and the very statement that, you know, the wall between us yeah the, the, whether a real or or imaginary or potentially well now yet, yeah, yet now, to be now, built wall now yeah um, now it's, it could be like literally a wall literally I mean, a wall this was this was honestly like this if you had reference on the berlin wall yeah 89 right. right yeah right there there are again these albums and songs that truly stand the test of time and how, this is definitely one of them how many times do we do we have to make this I'm, like yeah. seriously I'll tell a funny related story so i went to the museum last weekend and um the berlin wall yeah. is in a museum in yeah, Washington, yeah, yeah. yeah people who are, you know piece of berlin wall so i was listening to this album to prepare for this podcast as i walked by the actual physical berlin wall mm-hmm. and at the same time there was a young native american young man wearing a, a maga hat and this was this weird triangulation of America yeah. in 2018 where you're like, there's there's a 14-year-old, you know, somewhere like you could tell it's like eighth grade trip, whatever. 14-year-old young man, a red hat to make America great again, next to the actual Berlin Wall. The actual yeah. piece of it. And you're like, and this song is playing. And I'm like, this wall, well, okay, I guess that's not happening, but you know. It was a nice try. We, we tried, <laughs> you know, like five years after the Berlin Wall, it seemed like, okay, we got a, we got a thing here. We're going to, we're going to push on this thing and make a song and push for a thing to happen. And then it's like, oh, 25 years later. It's funny. There's a song funny. on this that addresses that ignorance is bliss. Right. I mean, <laughs> there it is. It's just right, right, right there. It's, 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 yeah, it's blew my mind. I think that was a real thing to happen. It blew, it blew yeah. my, like, it was one of those moments where you're just like, of many that I have every day now, they're just like, yeah, what? What are we doing? Like, it, this is nuts. This, this can't be. Right. Like, it, it's it's crazy. Twenty eighteen, man. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So I'm twenty five years old. Yeah, and, and so like to compare it to the last one we did or contrast it with. So Lenny Kravitz, like we all felt differently about it in, in much the same way. Time traveled up to here, right, and spoke to different issues, but it was it was feel good. Right. Yeah. This is like feel good, but feel bad. 
feel real bad. And that, that, that's that's what being a person is. Right. Like you, yeah. you don't get to feel good all the time. But it uh I'll, I'll double down on what I said at the top. Like to me this is this is a landmark album from any band period mm-hmm. made by people who are landmark musicians but any musician period, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it has and I could be wrong. I think it's been underrepresented. I hope there's people listening to us right now who have never fucking heard of this album. They stopped it vivid and they were like, I don't need to know anything else about that. Yeah. Uh, because uh, by now, especially if you are uh, a little older, you all the influences that are in this, you've been acclimated to. You love Metallica now. You love Corn. You love 311. You might have heard of Bad Brains, right? And it makes it a little safer. And on the other spectrum, it's like these, uh, all this kind of music is leaked into hip hop. It's 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 everywhere. It's 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 pervasive, and it just uh, uh, they they did the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and there there was a reason why, you know, they were part of the museum's grand opening weekend. Yes, there's they were. a reason why Living Color opened that evening's performance for damn near 50,000 people. Yep. On the National Mall as the sun was setting and it was beautiful. Yeah. You know, they they were there one because they believed in what we were doing. They are present in the museum. Um they are part of the legacy that we are working to you know to preserve, but they were determined to perform that night. Yeah. And they moved heaven and earth to make it happen and for that and for many other reasons, I am forever grateful to every single one of those guys. Um, but but to have the opportunity to present them to that audience that right. night in that context. I mean, you guys already know that I am like I can be super emotional at the weirdest times. Um, and this was one of them where I, know, I guess it's not that weird. But, you know, they are I remember standing side stage and they're kind of in the peak of their set that night and the sun was going down behind the Washington Monument and I look out and every single person is in it is there with them you know and Corey and is out you know in the with the people and doing what he does and it was just Mm -hmm. and I much like when Public Enemy hit Fight the Power was crying like a baby yeah because it was so moving and and there again there's a reason why they were part of that because they have a lasting place um within not just the past and not just the history but they have a place here in the present too yeah for sure for sure Living Color Stain right there for you. I hope if you are a fan of this album that uh, that we did you right, first of all, and that maybe maybe it, it'll it'll cause you to revisit it, take another listen. Or maybe you celebrate this album every damn day of your life like it should be celebrated, and uh, to that we salute you. Um, if you are new to this and you had not heard of this album before, 
then uh, then welcome. Hopefully you'll dig in not just to this, but also to their entire uh, discography. Living Color is one of those bands that is, uh, they have to exist because we need them. And uh, and it's telling that there hasn't been anybody really like them ever since their inception. There have been a lot of people around that scene, but there is no, uh, there there's only one true Living Color. And, uh, and, uh, and they do shit like this. So big thanks to Timothy Ann and Marcus coming down. Not sure when uh, we're going to be doing another one of these discologists. But you can bet it's going to be a lot of fun, especially if they are involved. And with that, we are out. Uh, that's it for this episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Apple Podcasts is what they call it now. Leave us a rating or a message there. You can also listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Basically, uh, everywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to us. Thinking about putting it up on Bandcamp. I gotta check some things. I gotta, I gotta clear some, get some clearances uh, as far as like our content. But uh, I think that's that's in the near future. So I like the integration of like Spotify. You can listen to the album, and then you just bop right down below it, and then there's us, the podcast, talking about the album. I think that's a good match. Uh, as always, thanks to our podcast hoster Pippa.io. Go there with a few bucks and a good idea, and you can have uh, your your voice out across the airwaves, hopefully spreading good vibes, not that hatred stuff. But uh, they, we've been with them for about a year and a half. They uh, are just absolutely remarkable. Always uh, there to answer your questions, to help make uh, make putting together this thing as easy as possible. Uh, and they are great. Also, uh, last but not least, thanks to Jamal Gray. As always, Aquatic Gardeners, the music you're hearing underneath this right now. And it is it is the jam. He's always working on new stuff. Uh, but this is uh, now about two years old, I think. And it's still... It's an awesome little EP. It's up on Bandcamp. The links are in the show notes. Um, that is it. We are out of here. We're going to be back next week. Some pretty groovy stuff. And uh, Nels Klein, maybe. He's got a new one coming out. Uh, have to check the calendar. Oh, Brothers Osborne. Yeah country the country's coming back uh but anyways uh that's it uh we will see you in a few short days until then be good to your ears but be better to your people talk to you soon <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!